Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. Today's interview is with Chris Savage. Chris is the co-founder and CEO of Wistia, an internet video hosting and analytics company that enables marketers to track and analyze web video viewers. Chris and his co-founder, Brendan, founded Wistia in 2006, and in 2009, they were finalists in Business Week's 25 Most Promising U.S. Entrepreneurs Under the Age of 25. Chris, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks for having me. So I've told our audience just a little bit about you. Tell us in your own words a little bit more about you personally, and then give us an overview of your product and business. Sure. So um, I grew up in Rhode Island, the small state in the U.S., the ocean state, uh, where there's a huge amount of, uh, I think it's, we have the most, uh, coastline relative to square footage of a state of any state, if you look at that ratio. So that's pretty exciting. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, it's funny when I was young, like I, I think I, I always dreamed of, uh, I always dreamed of starting a business, um, or and actually also like driving or riding a motorcycle by the time I was 25. And then I kind of like, when I was like, as I started to get into college and stuff, I kind of forgot that. Um, and then some, one day when I was 25, I realized like I had started a company um, and I was like, that, that had actually been something that I had always thought about as a kid. Um, but I never started, I never learned how to ride a motorcycle. Um, and now I'm like 30 and I feel like I'm too old. Uh, so, and then, um, Wistia is, yeah, basically we're a 31 person company, uh, profitable and growing based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. We just try to make it, we just try to make it easier for businesses to use video, um, to market themselves, to be human, to, um, like learn what their audiences care about and ultimately like make something that's pretty intimidating, I think, uh, hopefully a little bit less intimidating and hopefully more useful. Now, before we dive into more details, we like to kick things off with a success quote to better understand what drives and motivates our guests. What is one of your favorite success quotes? So um, I'm not a huge quote guy. I <laughs> There's not like one quote that uh, pops to my mind. I think that I, you know, when I think about what, entrepreneurship is. Um, and, and I think about like, kind of like the history of in the history of business, like how things worked. Like, I think the people that I really look up to are the people who have been able to work at something really hard for a long time. You know, I think like most great wealth, most great businesses were built over a long period of time by people who just cared really passionately about what they were doing. Um, and usually that means that like their businesses navigated different markets and totally different products and different ways of communicating with customers. And um, I like to think that if you can make the work itself like interesting enough and the way that the work is done, like the culture of the work, you can make it strong enough that uh, you can get through things that you would never expect. Um, And I, I certainly feel that way because, you know, I've been doing this eight and a half years. I thought when we started, this is going to take eight months or (laughs) a year and a half. And I thought I'd be rich and that's not how this works. Um, but it turns out that like, you know, it's been so enjoyable that I think that is part of the reason why we have like thrived. 
Awesome. So before we talk about, uh, let's get into the details. L- let's give our audience a little bit of a better understanding of Wistia. So Wistia is primarily targeting businesses and marketers. Can you talk a little bit about the top pain points that you're trying to solve for those people? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest pain point is uh, we're just trying to make it really easy to control the experience of video on your website or not on your website and let you see how people are watching it. And in a way that you can make better content and you can often like go from having a video that you don't know if it's working for your marketing to understanding exactly how it's working. Um, And so that comes in a bunch of different forms. It comes from our engagement analytics show you how every viewer of your video is watching every single video you have second by second. So what are they skipping? What are they rewatching? What are the trends across your audience? So what's the stuff that your audience is in general, always turning off when you present things in a certain way. Um, I think the other thing that I've learned is that to make video successful, it has to work with the other parts of your marketing campaign, right? So if you have a video on a, and, and you can't control what happens at the end of it, or you can't alert people to the right information during the middle of the video, or you can't like capture email addresses so that you can communicate with your audience in the future, not just about video, but about other things, it becomes harder to make it work. And if you could do all those things, it becomes a lot easier. Now, some people, when they look at video providers like Wistia, you know, compare that to YouTube and will say, why do I need to pay somebody for video when I can use YouTube? I think you pretty much already answered that question, but can you just kind of hit it home in terms of why Wistia is different? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the biggest difference, of course, is that YouTube makes money by putting ads on your content. And uh, what that means is that everything in their community, everything is set up to encourage people to spend more time watching more videos on YouTube. They don't care if people are going to your website. They don't care if people are uh, joining your audience. They don't care if you're selling more stuff. Like, that's irrelevant, right? Um, and But for them, they'll provide video hosting to, for free to anybody if you're willing to give up that kind of level of control. Um, what we do is we just give you that control back. So you own the rights to all your content. You can change how the player works and how people are interacting with it. You can customize it to fit your brand. You can capture email addresses, uh, which, of course, is extremely different, so that you can actually like build an ongoing audience. You can tie the analytics into all the other like marketing and business activities that you're doing, um, and you don't have to give up the rights to your content to do all of this. And what I often see over and over and over is that... Um, People who are like, they'll have a simple video strategy of just getting their stuff onto YouTube and then they'll get some views. Like maybe they get 5,000 views, 10,000 views in a video. And you ask them like, what was the benefit of that video? Like, what did it do for you? And usually all they can say is like, well, it had 5,000 views. So I assume it's good or it had 10,000 views. So I'd assume it's good, but there's not actually any ROI. There's no return that you can bring back to your coworkers or to your boss or to your friend and say like, this is definitely working for me. Versus what usually happens with us is people take video, they put it onto their site and they get nothing but ROI. Like they see how much traffic they're getting and it's usually a lot more. Um, They are like getting email addresses. They are being able to tie actions into conversions. It's it's basically just like closes the loop so that you know how effective your video is being. And then also just like 
different analytics that actually let you see how to make better videos. Great. Okay, Chris, let's talk about the early days of Wistia and explore how you got started. First of all, tell me, where did the idea for Wistia come from? So it definitely didn't come from where we are today. Um, when we first started, we just saw a major shift happen with online video. So, you know, it used to be the case that to get video to work on the web, you had to be technical. You had to understand how the um, codex worked and how what the penetration of all the different technologies was. So how many people are using RealPlayer? How many people can see QuickTime? Uh, what resolution should this stuff be at? What is the average, like, download speeds that people have in different areas? Like, how many of, but what percentage of my audience is giving English speaking? Like, all these different things you kind of have to factor into just like how you encoded the video to put it on your website. And then we saw what was happening with YouTube, um, but it was actually happening with a lot of other companies at the same time that were all using open source tools to do the encoding from the video, from any video format to flash, um, to flash video. And this is extremely important because it meant that you no longer had to be technical to make online video work. So Brendan and I looked at each other and we're like, there's a huge shift and it's happening right now and we need to be a part of this. Like we've always talked about starting a company, like this is our moment if we're going to do something. Um, and so we initially set out to try to help filmmakers and to build a place for filmmakers to build portfolios of their work. And the reason was I knew a lot of filmmakers and they were all pretty unhappy with the YouTube, which was the option at the time because it wasn't high enough quality and they didn't have control over their content and there were ads and all this other stuff. Um, that didn't work. And we started helping businesses about a year into the business. And, uh, the initial use was helping businesses use video to share video privately for training and collaboration, stuff like that. Um, and over time it took us, it took us a while to evolve. Um, but about four and a half years into the business was the first time that you could embed a video. And then we added analytics and then we like pushed farther down that route. Um, and I would say we've really been focused on marketers for like the last two and a half to three years. And doing that was like a huge, huge deal for us. So for four years of, of, of Wistia's life, you couldn't embed a video. Yep. And how, how, did, did, did people say anything to you about that? Well, so at first, you know, people were excited and we thought we could pick this niche that no one was focused on which was this private video sharing thing. We're like, this is so small. No one's going to be interested in this. Like we could own this. And uh, so people weren't asking for it at first. Um, but then we got to about 30 customers and they liked the UI. It was useful. We'd actually built some of the analytics at this point. And they're like, hey, you know, it'd be really cool to have these analytics on videos on our website. And we're like, uh, no, if you want to do that, you should go use YouTube or you should go use Vimeo. Like those things can let you embed video. We're not trying to help you embed video. No, like, nah, like there's something about the control from you guys. Like we just, we just want to do it with you. Like we picked a video platform. We want to use you. We're like, well, why don't we give you like handmade embed codes? So we did that for like three months or something. So if someone emailed into support and wanted to embed a video, we would make an embed code for them. Um, and then we realized that that was probably the future of the business and kind of like launched a new version of Wistia that included that. Um, and actually was also the first time that you could actually just do a trial and sign up for the product. Previous to that, 
you had to call us or we would like fax something back and forth to have you sign your agreement. Um, it was pretty, pretty game changing. It turns out for us. So when you started the business, did, did you bootstrap it or did you go out and, and look for investors? How, how did things get started for you guys? So when we started, um, I was 22, my co-founder Brennan was 23 and we basically, it's, we bootstrapped by living extremely cheaply. So I uh, and my, my girlfriend and I moved into the same house that Brennan was living in and also another seven people were living in. We lived in this 10-person house. And so our rent was just so cheap that it meant that like the meager savings we had was going to let us survive for a little while. Um, and we just did that for about a year and we we're running out of money. Um, and that we got our first customer, like, I think like almost a year to the day or like a year and two months or maybe it was, I don't know, first customer was probably a year to the day after we started. Um, and, uh, then we survived about another, almost another year off of like still meager savings, but like starting to get customers to cover some of our basic costs. Um, and we raised an angel round two years of the business. So we were about round and profitable. We raised an angel round. What did you do to acquire your first few customers? So um, the first customers were, one of them was a friend who uh, saw what we were doing as we were kind of, the portfolio site thing was not really working, but we'd started to make a way for filmmakers to privately share video. And the idea was that, uh, we thought that video that people were, that was unfinished, like the, it was in the editing process, it would be helpful for people to share it in the web, but like do it step behind closed doors. And I had dealt with that problem myself because I had a background in film. Um, so we started building that. And then our friend was like, worked at a company and he was like, Hey, uh, we need to share private. We need to privately share video. We'd never use a filmmaking thing to do it, but like, we need something like this. You should come in and talk to us. And so we talked to them they were interested uh, and we made up a price and they said that if the product did what it said it would do, they would pay us a monthly fee. And we're like, okay, that sounds pretty good. And so we kind of got those guys. And then we had something more concrete to bring to people. So we said, oh, we have a paying customer. Let's find other people who might privately need to share video um, or need to privately share video. And we went to filmmaking companies and um, big training organizations and it like helped us focus in. Um, it still took us a long time to get our second customer and a long time to get our third customer, but um, that was measured in months, not years at that point. So at that point, you couldn't just go to wistia.com and sign up to become a customer or, or you could, but, but you guys were still no. going out there. You were hustling, right? You were going out. We, we had no website. I mean, it was, Wistia.com just said hello on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we, you could not go to Wistia. It took years before you could go to Wistia.com and sign up. It took years, like, it took years before you could pay with a credit card. Uh, it took like four and a half years. So that, that is such an important lesson, I think, where so many of us get hung up about having a great website and, and making sure that, you know, it can do a hundred things before we feel like we're even ready to go and start that business. Yeah. But you guys didn't need any of that. You know, it's funny is that we tried that with the portfolio site and we kept trying to 
make it the most advanced portfolio site you've ever seen. And we came up with a business model for it before it had any users, which was a job board. So we built that and we felt like we should have everything ready to go. We just kept building, 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 but never launching anything. And then when we finally launched something, we built so much, it was hard to get feedback. And we just had kind of gone in this bizarre direction. And so when we got going with Wistia, it was like, you know, maybe we should try to do the minimal amount first and we should try to like solve processes manually before we automate them. So if we have enough people who say that they want to try Wistia, then we can add a trial button. But until then, we're going to have a phone number. <laughs> can you? Was there a point that you can recall in those early days when you just wanted to give up and go and do something else? Um, I, I never wanted to give up, but I do remember a time when Brennan and I had a serious conversation about whether or not like I should get a job at Starbucks so that, uh, or we should both get jobs at Starbucks so we could get health insurance and you only need to work like 20 hours a week. And we're working like 90 hours a week. So it wouldn't be that hard to work 70 and then have a job at Starbucks. <laughs> uh, I remember that. Um, but we both were so, I don't know, that's one of the things that I probably like, we're lucky that we were able to make it work because if we had not been able to make it work, we'd probably be like ruining our lives, still trying, like um, like alone in, you know, a room in the 10 person house. Like we're just, we're both of us are just probably too driven to like our own fault. And fortunately, some of this shit worked like five years in. <laughs> But, you know, most people wouldn't go a whole year without any customers, right? I mean, most people would give up well before then. So what kept you guys going? Um, you know, it's funny you say that because like, well, I'll, I'm going to, what kept us going was, it was fun. Like, even though we were failing, like, it was fun. Um, like, I think, I think how the work, how you do the work, like really matters. And while we were struggling, like it was exciting to try to solve these problems and addicting. Um, because even though we weren't getting revenue, we were at least like talking to people and starting to learn stuff like faster than like I've ever learned anything before. Um, and it's funny now, I mean, like, when I look at where we are and I look at where we want to go, I like, I'm really excited and proud of where we are. And I also think like, we're kind of just getting started. Um, you know, there's so, so, so far for us to go. Uh, and I could look at that and be like, that's really depressing. Or I could look at that and say like, this is an incredible opportunity. Um, and that's why I think it really, at least for me, it just really matters how the work is done. Because if I can be inspired by the work, if the work can be creative and interesting, and if we can like delight customers and delight each other on the team um, and be willing to fail, basically just build an organization that learns really fast, then like, then this will, we'll be able to do it. It'll stay interesting and uh, we can build something, you know, big. And I think that that's the crazy part about it is like, once we started to realize we could help businesses like a year in, and that video was like an entire medium that is barely used that everybody is like afraid of, but you know, it's peers are like text and audio. 
it's like, wait a second, there's like not that much video stuff at all. Like there's like very few video companies. Um, well, maybe what if we built one of the important ones? That'd be kind of crazy. And like, since that kind of revelation a year in, like, I feel like we've just been steadfast on the same path. So it took you a year to get your first customer. And then after that, you know, slowly you started acquiring more and more customers. At what point did you feel like you had a business with some potential there? The, I always thought we had potential, but I was afraid because I didn't want to let our customers down. I didn't want them to, I felt like we were being used for this very real reason. And if we went out of business, like that would really suck. Um, and I felt like the first time that was truly amazing was after we had launched a version of Wistia where you can embed videos, we had the embedded analytics. Um, you could sign up for a free trial yourself and you could buy with a credit card. Like I will never forget the first time someone bought with a credit card who we'd never talked to. Cause that's the other thing, of course, before that we had to talk to every customer. Um, and, uh, it was actually, it was like, you know, one of those scenarios, like woke up in the morning and there was a customer and I was like, wow, if we can get people using this and signing up and like paying to use it while we're sleeping, then I think we, we have a shot at something like big. Um, and, uh, I think once that's, once that happened, I was like, I think there's real, I think there's real potential here. Um, yeah. So, so did you stop going out and, and trying to, um, sell to, people? to sell people? Yeah. Uh, no. Um, but it, I mean, it's, it was an evolution, right? Like we were still trying to do that. And then at some point, you know, here's the funny thing about sales. Like, I was having trouble cold calling people because, well, I was cold calling them, but I was having trouble selling them. And the main objection was that people told us like in the early days, like this sounds like a great idea, but we don't have any video and I don't know when we're ever going to have video. I'm like, okay, this is, we need better leads is what I kept thinking. Like we need better leads. We need people who need video. And so we started doing like some AdWords and some display advertising and like some very small stuff. Um, we started our first marketing really. And I was like, all right, we need to have marketing to have sales. Um, and so we started doing that and it started to work. Uh, like the first month we ever spent money on ads, we spent $40 on AdWords. And one of the leads we generated was Cirque du Soleil. And they signed up. For, <laughs> yeah, they signed up as a customer for $500 a month. And it was like kind of mind blowing that that happened. Um, and then pretty quickly I started to think to myself, like I could spin my wheels, like trying to sell people, or I could put all of my effort into marketing and just make it really easy to buy. And so that's, that's what we did. Um, and actually that's what we still do. We have no sales team today. It's all, it's all marketing that's really easy to buy. So other than AdWords, what other marketing strategies were you using and, and which ones were working for you? So the early days, I would say most of our advertising was really unsophisticated and 
just really like, uh, you know, shotgun style. Like you, you spray and pray. Uh, and, uh, but it worked kind of, and I, I think it worked because we just were getting our name out there slightly more than we were before. And that the feedback that we got from the people who were finding us was like really different. So before that we had an interaction with everybody and they would overlook or wouldn't tell us that things were confusing. And then suddenly when we started doing advertising, people were like, this is confusing. I don't get it. Um, and there was nothing that was like, I would look back on and say like, Oh, everyone should do this today. Because I think like, I think the, the landscape of what's possible with marketing has changed dramatically. Um, except for the fact that just getting more awareness means you get more feedback faster, which is a good thing. Um, now, like the vast majority of our, of our marketing is content marketing, um, which has taken a while to build up, but has been extremely successful for us. Yeah. I mean, I just love the content that you guys create. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's educational, it's, it's entertaining and I can imagine, you know, you could be, I'm sure you're getting people who probably don't even know about, you know, the services that you offer, but know about the great content that you have. Right. I mean, yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite, um, videos that I can remember that you guys put together was on how to use the iPhone to create, you know, high quality video in terms of, you know, if you get the, if you use a tripod and you get the, the sound right and, and the lighting, you can actually create really cool videos with this little iPhone. And, you know, it was that kind of content that just really, really I just love. It's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when you, so you're starting to grow the company, um, now often with growth come growing pains. Tell me about a, one big challenge that you face as the business started to grow either on the business or on the product side? Um, Oh, which one should I pick? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think one of the big challenges was around structure. So I, when we were first starting out, like, you know, we had titles, but they really didn't mean anything. Everyone was just like doing stuff and just, you, you just work your ass off. Right. And I started to believe, especially as we started to focus on culture, that like one of our cultural values was that we were flat. And so when I was hiring people, I would try to convince them to join us and say, look, Wistia is really flat. Like you're going to be in charge of your own domain. It's going to be amazing. Like this is how we do things. It's like different than how other people do things, like all this stuff. Um, And then I started to realize that like, Flatness had some serious problems, which were that like people didn't, one person could not mentor like everybody and like people need mentorship to grow and we need everybody to grow for the company to grow. Um, Without having any structure, it actually centralized power to me and Brendan because people didn't want to do big things without talking to us. Um, Because even though it was said there was no structure, there was structure. It just wasn't explicitly defined. Um, and just that we need to, we need to divide up the ownership more because, you know, like today I have less data than I ever did on like the details of certain parts of the business. And that's makes sense actually that like when you grow, you're going to have to distribute ownership and distribute data, but we weren't doing that. So 
we, I started to realize this is a problem and uh, we started to, we kind of broke into teams and we broke into functional teams um, and we had people leading those teams. And that was definitely like a hard thing to do um, because no one knew if it was going to work. And I certainly didn't know. Um, but it turns out that it did work. And one of the ways that it worked so simply that I was just that like, by creating teams and giving ownership to these different people, suddenly everyone in the company had more ownership. And such, And I didn't realize that there was kind of two ways to look at structure. One way is that you should use structure to centralize power, like with the CEO. And that's what I thought structure was about. And then I started to realize that actually, you can also use structure to decentralize power and to give ownership and power to the right people by putting them into a position where everybody knows what they do and uh, that at least for us, like that's a much more healthy way for us to go. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it was extremely hard to go through that process. Um, But coming out on the other side, I've just, it's made me value why, you know, structure is such an important thing for communication and mentorship and guidance and making sure that people don't fall through the cracks and ultimately helping people to be more successful. And so were you and Brendan kind of jointly running the company? And at what point did did you take on the CEO role? So we made the decision um, when we raised money that I would be the CEO and he would be the CTO. And we brought on two more guys, uh, one who was like the VP of engineering, another guy was like the VP of sales. So yes, I realized super, super... Um, heavy here on the titles because I that's what we thought we were supposed to do. Um, but you know, and I was not in the products, I was like involved in product, but I was certainly not building it. Brennan was certainly building the product, and we divided ownership like, oh, I was going to take on marketing and sales and kind of like managing that other stuff. Um, but it definitely, yeah, I, I think it's it's just as we've grown, like there's more trust that you have for everybody about like what they're good at and what job they should be doing. And, um, you know, we'll have conversations to make sure that we're like prioritizing who's doing what properly. Um, but I don't know, like it just kind of evolved over time. Okay, Chris. So we started this conversation by going back to where the idea for Wistia came from. And then we've taken this journey together on how you turn that idea into a successful product. Let's talk about the business today. Now, as I understand, you don't disclose numbers on on your revenue or number of users and so on. Um, but what can you tell me to to give us uh, give our audience a better idea of of the scale of your business? Um, I can tell you that every day across our like uh, platform there's about 10 years of video viewing that happens how's that <laughs> um, 10 years of video viewing every day yeah I'll have to do the math there and figure that out. yeah it's I mean that's why you have numbers like that right because it sounds like, <laughs> a big thing, like what does it really mean um, I mean I can tell you that there's there's at this point um, there's over a hundred thousand companies using us. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how you're generating revenue. 
Sure. So tell me a little bit about the, the, just the business model. It's pretty simple. Um, so you can use Wistia for free uh, with up to like 10 gigs of storage of videos, or you can pay and you get unlimited storage and then you pay more for more features. So uh, $25 a month gets you all the like fundamental stuff. Um, it gets you like advanced analytics so you can see engagement. It gets you more control over the player. Um, and a hundred dollars a month gets you some team features. And then the price can go up if you have like a really huge audience, but otherwise like most people are going to be at 25 bucks a month or a hundred. So looking at the business today, what is one of the things that you're most excited about? Um, I would say that like, I am really excited about the fact that we have a team that is very strong, uh, that like I'm inspired to work with every day. And we have, you know, a lot of customers that seem to be pretty happy. Um, but when you look around, like most of the websites I come to are not using Wistia yet. And that's a big opportunity. Um, and the way that we have really gotten to where we are is through content marketing and through word of mouth around the product, um, which is really exciting to me because I think the more that we make the product better and the more that we can just like help our audience do more with video, whether it's through content about how to shoot a video with your iPhone or scripting or, you know, putting on conferences, which we put on our first conference in May, uh, that stuff all adds up. And, uh, it's kind of fun because it, it feels like we're in this great, we have a lot of opportunity. We're in this great spot. And the way that we take advantage of it is like, we just are basically completely aligned with our customers. All right, Chris, it's now time for our lightning round. I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I'd like you to answer them as quickly as you can. Are you ready? Yep. What's the best piece of business advice that you ever received? Figure out how to lead by being yourself. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? I recommend Masters of Doom. And Masters of Doom is a story about um, the founders of the game, or like of id Software who created Doom and Quake. And I think it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal book to read because it shows you the power of like, what can happen when a small number of people are working together well on the right things, um, how far they can go. And also, so it gives you something to shoot for, I think in terms of how you can work with others. Um, and also talks about like what some of the downsides are as you can, as you become more successful. I haven't had that recommendation before. I'm going to check that one out. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? Being really good at learning. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? I have a lot of those. Uh, honestly, for me, it's probably working out. I, I did not always work out, started working out in the morning. Like, and I find that it is like a time to like clear my head and reflect. And it forces me to not be in front of a computer. And it forces me to do something where I have to like slowly improve at it over time. Um, which is basically how you get yourself out of any jam. 
And it, it's kind of like a good thing to realize that that's a skill to be learned because most of the things in life are skills to be learned. You just don't know it. If you sold Wistia today and you had to start over tomorrow, what type of business would you go and build? I would try to build a business that um, from the beginning like has a plan about the space that we want to prove in the world. I think that I, it can be hard to start at like that high of a level. Um, and I feel very fortunate we found something that like that, that's extremely motivating. Um, and I feel like it's easy to fail if you don't have like a big goal and a big mission that you can believe in. What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? What's an, I really love rock climbing and try to do that a couple times a week at least. Um, and I like love the challenge of it and love that it's like a physical and mental puzzle. You've probably answered the last question as well, but I'm not going to let you get off that easily. What is one of your most important passions outside of your work? <laughs> I don't know. I have a lot. Um, my most important passion outside of work. Okay, said rock climbing. Not going to do that one. I don't know. I, I think that probably for me, I would say work and life like really bleed together. Um, and you know, I spend, I'm like good friends. with A lot of the people at Wistia, like my wife will attest to the fact that I don't stop talking about Wistia. I don't stop talking about other startups. I don't stop talking about like, like anything that leads to progress. Like I think I'm addicted to, I'm addicted to improving things. And, uh, I would say my outside passions change depending on the season and um, whatever is the thing that I think needs the most improvement uh, at that particular time. So, yeah, I don't, there's, I love watching movies. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you've talked about having fun at work a few times during this conversation and and certainly from as an outsider looking at you know what you guys seem to be doing and the kind of content you're creating it it does seem like you still are having a lot of fun over there so chris i, I want to thank you for joining me today and, and talking about wistia i really appreciate you sharing your experiences and insights with our audience and and thank you for letting us get to know you a little better personally as well if folks want to find out more about Wistia or they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? You can find out more about Wistia at wistia.com. Um, you can find out, you can talk with me on Twitter at uh, C Savage. Um, or if there's something in particular that requires more than 140 characters, you can definitely feel free to email me. I'm Chris at wistia.com. Um, I get a lot of email these days. So, Probably, you know, I cannot guarantee a fast response, but I will do my best. Awesome. Thanks again, Chris. And I wish you continued success with Wistia. Thanks, Omar. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you have a, a great, great day and weekend. Thank you. You too. Cheers.